Welcome to the New Hope Podcast. At New Hope 365, our mission is to love God and to relationally love people to Christ-centered wholeness. New Hope has many different ministries that allow every member the opportunity to serve where God has called them. We welcome you to come and find your fit at New Hope 365. All right, today we continue in a series that is called Reality and the Battle Between Good and Evil. Good and Evil. And it's this unseen world that is around us and really what what has stirred me on the topic of the unseen and the good and evil battle is everything that is going on right now in our culture. The stuff that um, is on the street, the stuff that's in politics, the stuff um, that is with the virus, all of this stuff is spinning around uh, in our culture, and you're seeing things that you're like, what what is driving that, or what's behind that? And so that's why I wanted to talk about the topic of reality, good versus evil. If you missed last week, uh, you can go and you can uh, just go to our website, New Hope um, 365 Church and dot church, and you can listen. And I gave you four legs last week of a biblical worldview. The legs were that there is as you pursue God, it's important as you uh, grow to understand the spiritual, the warfare that's going on around us. First, that you realize that there's an unseen realm. I said that's the first leg. Second is binary thinking which is good versus evil, salvation and or destruction, things of that nature. And somebody wanted me to just clear up the fact that there are gray issues in the world, you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about some of the gray issues that exist. I'm talking about how God sees the world, binary, good versus evil. And then group guilt, how even though we have a tempter and an enemy out to destroy us, the reality is, is that when he does that, we are guilty for our sin, and therefore we need and needed a Savior. So group guilt talked about that. And then also the last part of that was heaven down, hell up. I talked about how we pray and we say, God, would you please, your kingdom come, your will be done. We can pray heaven down or we can uh, bring hell up depending on the choices that we make on a daily basis. So today I've entitled this message, God's divine family. God's divine family. One of the best ways to understand what's going on right now in our culture and going on in the demonic unseen realm, one of the things that I have learned is that studying what is, what is in heaven and what is the angelic realm. So one of the best ways, he thought, to understand the demonic realm is to understand the angelic realm first. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are about uh, angels. I grew up with this perception that angels were fat little babies on clouds playing harps, and I had that picture um, that they just kind of did their thing, and I'm thinking, man, if that's like heaven, I'm not really sure that I want to go to heaven. Uh, There's all kinds of myths and fables and folklore. In fact, um, some people believe that even babies, when they die, become angels in heaven. But there's no biblical precedent for that. The Bible has to say, has a lot to say, though, a lot about spiritual beings. Um, They're called angels. 
watchers, holy ones, the host of heaven, sons of God, divine assembly, the gods, morning stars, glorious ones, and the armies of heaven. Did you know that almost there's in, in scripture, there's almost 300 times that the Bible talks about angelic or spiritual beings. There are only a few handful of books, Ruth, Nehemiah, Esther, the letters of John and James that do not allude to angelic or spiritual beings. So now no one really knows how many angels exist um, or if God, does he make more angels? You know, how does that work? And the Bible is clear, though, as I've been looking at it, that there are a lot of angels. Angels prefer to focus on themselves. They're not on themselves, I'm sorry. They, they prefer not to focus on themselves. So in Scripture, the only uh, names that I have found alluding to angels is what? The uh, messenger from God named Gabriel, who did what? He showed up to Mary and shared with her that she is with child by the Holy Spirit, and he came and he was a messenger. Second angel is Michael, and Michael is a more of a military strength, and so Michael would battle, and you'll hear about that in Scripture. So those are two angels, but we don't know names of any others. Since demons are fallen angels, who counterfeit all that God creates, I have come to the conclusion that if they're going to counterfeit and they're, and they're truly, demons are truly fallen angels, then it's important for us to understand the creation of God, the angelic realm, all of that, in order for us to understand the demonic realm. So the best way to understand the demonic realm is to understand the angelic realm first. There are all, all kinds of different ranks of angels, and there are some angels that you probably have heard of. Um, maybe that's at uh, Christmas time, or you sang a song about uh, angels, or, or whatever. In fact, I don't know if you remember the, the song uh, Holy, 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 and, and the song in there talks about cherubim and seraphim. Cherubim and seraphim. And these, be these beings are like appear uh, in the Old Testament and are winged, okay? And let me read Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and you can follow along today um, through the YouVersion app and, and, and track with that in that particular um, Bible app. So here we go. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and two they, wore, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresh, thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, and when he had taken, uh, with, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And then he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So there you get to see a little bit of the picture of, 
of seraphim uh, and, and what they do as messengers of God. Now, there are things that differ of uh, angels versus human beings. And here we go. Angels have no human gender. They don't reproduce. They're neither male nor female. Though in, on assignment, an angel can appear as male or female as you study scripture. Two, no human body. Angels don't have bodies because they are spiritual beings. Okay? Angels may appear in physical bodies like a soldier, such as Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story of Lot and, and, and uh, these angels coming and rescuing his family from Sodom. And they were two angels in the form of men. Then, third, there's no human limitation. They don't share our human limits. Um, our humanity, our physical body, they don't, they don't get sick. They don't grow old. They don't die. So, they differ from us in that way. There's a few ways that they differ from God. Here we go. God is eternal. What does that mean? That means that he, he never had a beginning. God was and is and is to come, whereas angels were created as we, as human beings, were created. So God is eternal, different than angels and the spirit beings. God is all-knowing. The theological term for that is omniscient. Okay? He's all-knowing. Angels are not. God is all-present, omnipresent. He, he, is, he can see all things, be present anytime, any place. He knows no time or space, whereas angels actually have to go from place to place. God is all-powerful, omnipotent. And, and then God is sovereign. He's the ultimate authority. The, the buck doesn't stop with what angels, it stops with God as sovereign and the ultimate authority. God is worshipped. And sometimes people get confused. If an angel showed up to your doorstep or if an angel shows up in your house or whatever, you might have this, this natural inclination to bow down and worship the angel, but the angel would say to you, you're not to worship me. Even the apostle John, John twice in Revelation, fell at the feet of an angel, and the angel said, do not do that. So God is sovereign and God is worshipped. And so people get that confused. Now, with all of the wild speculation and culture about angels and demons, it's important that as we look at the spiritual warfare and the battle between good and evil, that we don't get so focused where, where we take our eyes off of God. We must keep our eyes on God. Though this is very real, we still remain focused. So let's talk for a minute about then God's divine family. The, the, the Trinitarian God of the Bible, that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, is three persons and, it's, and, and in one, and he's relational. We say at New Hope that um, our, we, our vision is to relationally love people to Christ-centered wholeness. And the reason relational is so huge is because it's the very character of God, right? It's the very character of God. And so... The Bible, um, the God of the Bible doesn't see, does not need us as humans or, or the spiritual beings and so forth, but he created both and he wants to have a relationship not only with the unseen, angel, in the unseen realm and the angels, but also with us in the seen realm. He wants that relationship. And honestly, I think that that is why Satan and demons attack our relationships. Because that strikes at the heart of God's nature since he is loving 
unified and relational. So when you see Satan attacking, it's always at the heart of the relationships in culture in our lives. So God has this, us as his human family, but also he has a spirit family, okay? And just as different kids take on different roles, so what? These angels and these spirit beings um, have levels of leadership. And in fact, um, in the ancient Semitic world, uh, they would be called the sons, what? The sons of God. And it's a phrase used to identify different level, higher levels of angelic or spirit beings. And then there were angels, but there were these sons of God. And they had responsibilities and they had jurisdictions. At, at creation in Job chapter 38, verse 7, it says, While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy at creation. And that's this angelic unseen realm, God's family, doing that. Stars is the ancient language for divine beings. And then, you might know this very well, Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says this, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with angel, praising God and saying, What glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. So what was that? That was at the announcement of Jesus' birth. And all of a sudden you see this, these angelic hosts coming. That is God's family, divine family. So with that, we also know that God has a divine counsel. Divine counsel. In the human realm, what we have is we have human leaders. We have people that serve in different capacities and lead in different things. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and currently we have structures. The same is true in the spiritual realm. God has a leadership team of spirit beings. And these spirit beings are his, what I, what I would call, is his divine counsel. And the, this, the, the Bible describes um, the holy council, in, in the assembly, let me clear this up, the assembly of the holy ones, the council of the holy ones, the hosts, the seat of the gods, the mount of the assembly, the court, in judgment, and the heavenly host. So you see in the Bible, there's all of these term, different terminologies for God's divine leadership team, so to speak. The Bible gives us a clue that God has convened the divine council and when he, revealed, when he was revealed sitting on his throne, they circled the throne and they are his counsel in which they observe and they see and they do his bidding. The Bible gives us those clues. In fact, we get the same picture from Isaiah and Daniel and John. We also get the fact that they went and they saw the unseen realm. They we're able to experience that. And, they, and, and then there was also Jacob in the Bible where he has a divine visitation from God and he sees a ladder and it's like a, well, it's like a stairway, a stairway to heaven, a little Led Zeppelin um, moment there. And, and so there he sees divine, the unseen coming to the scene and all of a sudden Jacob says, this is now called Bethel, which is what? House, the house of God. And so that's what he wanted to name it because that's where heaven and earth collided in Jacob's encounter with God. So God's divine counsel, that exists, and it's huge for us to understand, does three primary things. This is real, and this is impacting culture even right now as I speak. Number one, what is the divine, 
uh, divine counsel do? They observe God. In much of the same way, like Moses, when he sees the Red Sea and he goes and the Red Sea is parted, Moses is observing it. And just like Moses would be observing the hand of God, the angels are observing God's divinity, his power, his choices, and what he's about to do from, from the beginning of time to now and into the future. So in the same way, God explains what he's doing. It's kind of like this. My grandfather and I would go golfing growing up, and I remember when I first go to the golf cart, and I'd say, what is this? How do you, what is this? And he'd go, that's where you put your bag of clubs. That's where you put um, your uh, your golf balls. That's what's this, Grandpa? This is a tee. Take it, and and here here's your tee. And he would show me how things were used, the golf clubs, and what where when he should use them, and what he should use them for. All of that, and I began to understand. In the same way, in Genesis chapter one verse twenty six, God is allowing what the council to observe. And so at creation, he says this, verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, ever, that, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So you can see there, there's this divine council sitting and watching as he creates us and humanity and all that's in it. And then Genesis, go two chapters over. And he says, this is after the fall of mankind and sin entered the world. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. So what we see is that God then takes an angel and places an angel at the garden so that no one can ever, no one can enter the garden after Adam and Eve had sinned. So they observe God, and God shares his points and his purpose in, with them. And then two, they serve as messengers and ministers. Messengers and ministers. The only way I know to speak to this is when I was in college, I worked for Budget Rent-A-Car. And, and uh, so I would take and clean out the cars. I would then uh, have to take messages to clients that would, I would pull the car up and I would maybe give them a, a note. And at the time we didn't have like, um, you know, it wasn't cell phones and, and we didn't have GPSs and all that. So I would oftentimes have to say, here's the directions to your particular location. And here's the number that you need to call. And here's uh, if they needed uh, bait car seats or whatever, we would put that in there and we would accommodate them to the best of our ability, budget rent a car. Who would think? Hospitality though, that's what we're all about. And so as I ponder what I did for budget, God's divine staff members were created to do what most good hospitality industry workers do. They serve as messengers and ministers to people. They help, they serve, they, they speak kindly, they don't, they don't hurt people, they help people. Psalm 104 verse 4 says, the winds are your messengers, flames of fire are your servants. I like what Mark chapter 1 verses 12 through 13 says. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness, where he was what? Tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. 
So we see that they were ministering and serving as Jesus as Jesus entered full-time ministry, had just gone into the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit fell on him. He's now going out to the desert to be tempted for 40 days, and an angel or angels took care of him. How cool is that? So we see that what? That God's divine counsel, they observe him, they serve as messengers and ministers, and then thirdly, God invites the divine counsel on some occasions to participate in ministry planning. Believe it or not, in the unseen realm, God is inviting some of the divine counsel to participate in ministry planning. And so, just as God delegates decisions to you, decisions to me, in life and ministry and so forth, in the seen realm, he does the same thing in spiritual ministry leader, to ministry leaders in the unseen realm. Here's an example. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 19 through 21. Then Micaiah continued, Listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne with all the armies of heaven around him, on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions, as you can just imagine, the council of heaven. Well, you ought to think about this, God. You ought to think about that. You think about it, okay? So there were many suggestions in verse 21. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. And so in the divine council, we see there are those that come out, and God invites them who will actually take this assignment on. I understand we don't know a ton about the unseen, but we do have pictures and glimpses of the angelic world and what God created first as it relates to heaven in the unseen. So, now, this is where it's going to continue to to kind of get amped up as we go into the weeks ahead. Because for us to understand what's going on in the supernatural world and understand the good versus evil we, as we understand, and I've been talking about the angelic beings and their roles in this divine council, there was then, in all of that, a war in heaven. And the governance war in heaven is hard for me to understand. I've studied it. I've thought about it. I've read different things on it. But evil can be hard to understand, right? Evil can be hard to understand. Where does it come from? Why does it exist? What's the deal with it? So before the evil sin of rebellion, their angels worshiped God in a sinless environment in God's kingdom. And today there's no evil in God's kingdom, but good. Why? Because, because of the fact that God kicked out the angel and defeated the, the darkness. But then... As I've, as I've been pondering this, why only, I mean, as far as sin goes, why, it just seems, I don't know, it just seems to me anyway, that as I'm trying to understand evil and where it comes from, but God knows, and probably more importantly than us knowing, is that he actually knows. Here's one other thing. Something has terribly gone wrong. I mean, if you look around you, the world is not becoming this better, utopic, peaceful place, it's becoming worse. In fact, it shouldn't shock any of us. Why? Because it talks about that in the last days, 
perilous times will come. Things will progress. Sin will abound more and more. And even stated to the point of, will there be any faith on the earth when I return? So we know that there's this perilous time that's coming. And so no matter how many wars we wage, elections we hold, tears we shed, dollars we spend, medications we prescribe, evil and the suffering it causes continues unabated. So what happened in heaven? It's much like a commanding military officer. That this military officer seeks to incite a coup and overthrow what? Overthrow a king and overtake a kingdom. So one of the highest ranking spiritual beings, also called the strong man, prince of demons, became filled with pride. And as he became filled with pride, then the war and the battle goes on. But we know him by these various names. Satan, the devil, the evil one, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of the world, Belial, the enemy, the adversary, the serpent, the dragon, the tempter, the god of this world, and the counterfeit spirit. And so rather than glorifying God, he wanted to be glorified. He, he wanted to be obeyed. He wanted to live independently and build his own kingdom. And so, Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, gives us a glimpse. Here we go. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. So there, we see where evil emerges, and we see the battle that goes on, and Satan and those that followed him were thrown out of heaven, and they became what, as we know it, as the demons that are out doing what? Ruling this world in darkness. So God and his angels, here's the good news. God won the battle. But all humans starting with our first parents, Adam and Eve, they, we have these little battles that go on every day, and some of them are big battles, and some of them are great struggles. From the day Satan and his followers, called demons, principalities, authorities, powers, thrones, counterfeit angels, rulers, hosts, elemental spirits, were thrown down to the earth, this has become his battlefield. So, it is important for us as Christians to understand that the battle was taken and came from heaven down to earth and that war is still raging. We know that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, yes. But we know that still Satan is seeking to devour, to kill, destroy anything dear to the heart of God. And so it's important that we do not forget that what we see around us in the political realms, in the sickness, what we see around us in strife, in the wars, in the battles, not just in North America, but around the world, that as we see that, that that is the battle that's raging between good and evil. Between good and evil. Next week, as I come back and I teach or I preach, I will share with you 
a little bit more of the intensity of Satan's battle that he brought to this earth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Heavenly Father, thank you for the fact that we're not completely in the dark, that we, God, um, are loved by you. We are your children as we have, if we've given our life to you, Jesus. And I pray right now that what we see going on around us, it would be continued, that for us, it would be continued evidence of God, our destination, heaven, our relationship with you, God. It would be continued confirmation that there's a battle raging between good and evil and that we have chosen to be part of the good. And God, we, you don't desire that anyone perish and go to hell and be part of the evil. But our mission, God, on this earth is to, to help to proclaim your kingdom, to share your hope, to spread the news. And we pray, God, that you will tear down strongholds, that you will tear down darkness, and you will, God, destroy the works, continue to destroy the works of the enemy. May we, the church, not be caught sleeping, but may, may we, O oh God, be awake and awoke to, God, what you want to do today in the 21st century. And God, I pray right now, if there's anybody that is struggling with the battle, I pray, God, that you would give them victory today. And it's all for your glory. And you're awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website for all the latest news and announcements for New Hope 365. We have added some temporary buttons to our homepage to make it quick and easy for you to request prayer, sign up for our email list, see current needs and opportunities to serve, as well as give. You can find it all at newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church.